Hello everyone, welcome to Conversations with the Co-op. This is where we source questions from the Index Co-op community in order to gain insights from today's leaders in crypto and DeFi. I'm your host, Crypto Texan, and today we have with us uh, Stani Kulichov uh, from Ave. Thank you for being here with us today, Stani. Thanks for having me here. It's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure. So there has been a lot of news around Ave recently, uh, very recently, actually. Um, and we'll touch on that in a little bit. Before we get into that, let's just build a foundation for the audience and provide some background. Uh, you, Stani, are the founder of Ave. Uh, so can you describe for the audience, just in your own words, what is Ave? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, Ave is a uh, interest rate protocol, pretty much like a cross-chain interest rate protocol as we are, our smart contracts are deployed in, in Ethereum and also in, in Matic. And interest rate protocol pretty much means that you can deposit a cryptographic asset into the uh, protocol and earn interest on it. And at the same time, that asset becomes also for uh, collateral in most cases, uh, which means that then you can also draw uh, any other assets from the protocol uh, and borrow it out. And this kind of like a borrowing activity drives the interest rate market and generates yield uh, across all the uh, A-token holders. An A-token holders, uh, an A-token general is a token that you receive in return when you are depositing into the Aave protocol. And what's fun about the A tokens is that when you have them in your address, whether it's MetaMask uh, or wherever you are storing them, they actually increase in balance uh, every second or every time the wallet actually fetches the, calls the balance of function, which is very nice. Uh, the protocol itself is currently the biggest DeFi protocols, protocol out there. We started from very much from zero back in 2020, uh, January, when we deployed. Uh, and before that, we were building uh, the first decentralized lending protocol, uh, ETH Lend, short from Ethereum lending uh, since 2017. So there's some legacy uh, legacy that we already were building before uh, Aave. And Aave is, the Aave protocol is uh, developer first protocol. So most of the liquidity comes from various uh, products built on top, uh, yield aggregators, whatnot. Uh, but also you can access it with numerous of, of user interfaces. I think there's roughly 100 different user interfaces, wallet connections, including our own uh, user interface that the, the Genesis team has is, has been hosting. That's pretty much what Aave is. And of course, one important thing to mention is that the protocol is governed by the community. So any kind of like decision-making, new assets listing, all change of risk parameters, uh, all this kind of like a risk-based uh, decision-making or future improvements of the protocol has to go to a community governance, uh, which is the Aave token holders. And in return, in return, you can also transfer the risk from the protocol to yourself by staking into the safety module as a like a community member and earn more of it for taking that risk to cover any kind of like a potential uh, shortfall in the protocol. And to become a kind of like a uh, community member in, in terms of like uh, governance member, you can just deposit into the Aave portal and there is uh, pretty much token distribution an ongoing basis, like pretty much what's uh, happening across decentralized finance at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that uh, overview. Uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people describe Aave as a crypto bank, um, but time and time again, I've heard you refer to it as an interest rate protocol versus calling it a, a crypto bank. Is there a reason for that? Or, or why do you prefer the term interest rate protocol versus crypto bank? Yeah, I guess kind of like the terminology of, of banking probably doesn't exist as, as it is in, in in traditional finance because somehow, you know, the whole traditional finance has been built 
on a very much concept of, you know, you have intermediaries that you trust, give them funds, whether it's bank, asset manager, or something else. And then based on this trust, they are promising you in return some sort of a, a income opportunity. They're taking the funds and putting it into and this whole kind of like a concept where you have intermediaries uh, competing of custodying your funds and and deploying them with this uh, financial system, which is based on very much kind of like a high regulation. But when what we're looking now in decentralized finance is that you know there isn't any kind of custodian in between, so you are interacting directly with the protocols you are you're calling the functions you're depositing you're withdrawing liquidity there's no one there where you are actually giving custody uh, uh, per se I mean, this is kind of an interesting aspect because uh, not only you're removing like the intermediaries but this is a completely new way of interacting with finance because now you can actually access anything that anyone Builds anywhere, any part of the world. I mean, if you're fed up in the current offerings, what you have, uh, even as a developer, you can always build something new. If you don't like, you know, the the, the kind of like a transfer products, you could build something better. So I, I guess like using term terminology of banking and banks is maybe old fashioned, and I guess we are referring to interest rates in yields. Because of the fact that that's where what we're trying to achieve, pretty much like kind of like cryptographic growth, cash flow growth for the assets that, that the users are depositing. But at the end of the day, I mean, whatever it is, it's the functionality is the same. You know, our goal is that the protocol generates yield assets. That's the main thing. Thanks for helping make that differentiation there. That that was helpful. Uh, let's let's go into just a little bit of your background now. Uh, you started. Uh, studying law in Helsinki. How did you go from studying law to Ave? I, I think like I really tried to find something that you know makes commercial agreements more efficient. And I I think just the current form is that having paper agreements or even agreements where you trust in entities on performing certain roles. Uh, in agreements or, you know, fulfilling deliverables somehow wasn't efficient enough. I mean, there's a lot of examples where, you know, if you rely on like paper agreements that you might not get your kind of rights or, you know, obligations fulfilled in the sense that if you, if you don't have time, you might not actually go after your rights. You know, if you, if the legal system is very expensive, you might not be interested in going after whatever belongs to you based on commercial agreement. If you want to enter into a commercial transaction in the first place, you might have less interest of doing that because of the, the, the burdensome of the kind of like legal work in between. And usually this legal work is repetitive, but it's paper-based, uh, very inefficient. And... When I did some research on how to improve in, improve uh, commercial agreements and the whole commercial landscape, uh, I, I kind of like tried to apply technology. And what I stumbled upon most interesting technologies was blockchain and especially smart contracts. On on, on that time, Ethereum was the only an environment where where there was a uh, decent smart contract infrastructure EVM. Uh, the only kind of like place to build and and very powerful as well that's that kind of like got me into thinking of uh you know this could be used very widely and i've been always a finance geek uh i love finance i don't know where it came from but at some point of my life i was uh building uh fintech products for uh i think three years in in total just building projects never wanted to do any kind of a startup and actually, I was very much trying to avoid uh, building or being part of a startup and, and just like being able to focus and build things. And 
yeah, so finance was always something that I've been interested in. So I was thinking like, you know, use smart contracts to build financial infrastructure. And what blockchain does very well is execute the store of value and have a uh, database, distributed database where like those values are difficult to manipulate. So it's, it's a perfect use case for finance by itself. And somehow blockchain even like brings finance out of things that people usually don't think of that much of being financial, such as, you know, what NFTs are doing in the creator economy, probably will do in other economies in the future, such as e-commerce. So I, I guess like that was the road of finding, finding the DeFi. And this, when we started uh, in 2017, early, uh, actually even like building in 2016, it wasn't like DeFi, like as a like term, you know, there was one decentralized exchange and that's it, and space was very narrow. And actually the power of DeFi came existent when more and more projects uh, and more compatibility. You know, you had KyberSwap, you had lending, you could build things, you know, you could liquidate positions in a decentralized fashion. That started to really kick off the field in. When we had, like when the stable coins came as a year C20s, that was like pretty much like people realize, oh, like, like, fuck, you could get like yield on like dollars that are from four to seven percent. You have like this kind of like cryptographic dollar, yielding dollar. You know, that created a lot of development up in, in, in DeFi and kickstarted a bit the space back in 2000, uh, 2009. Yeah, I personally, I've seen that the yield on stable coins is something that I, that I can use to get some of my TradFi. Uh, friends uh, a little bit interested in, in DeFi and in cryptocurrency, so that definitely makes sense to me. Because when they see a yield that's you know four or five percent as opposed to point zero five percent in their bank, um, it definitely raises some eyebrows. Um, but let's go back just a, a little more history on Ave. Uh, it originally ICO'd in twenty seventeen as Ethland, and it was more peer to peer lending. Uh, a peer-to-peer lending protocol, and then it changed. Then you changed the name to Ave and switched from peer-to-peer lending to more of peer-to-contractor or peer-to-pool, uh, I guess. Um, in your opinion, what were some of those major shortfalls of the peer-to-peer lending contracts, and how is today's model for Ave an improvement over that? I guess, like the, the, the first of all, like. The reasoning behind of the peer-to-peer model was because of the nature of the liquidity that we had in like the early stage of DeFi. I mean, it's pretty much like you couldn't pull assets in a liquid fashion, mainly because there wasn't that much of liquidity in various tokens. You know, when you look at the the, the liquidity, not only on like decentralized exchanges, but even like centralized exchanges on, on various assets. So there was a bit of like kind of like more risk there. Uh, and also one idea what's interesting in this peer-to-peer fashion is that a liquidation or peer-to-peer loan is actually a option from the uh, funder's perspective. So if you're lending and funding a loan, give stable coins to someone and for taking some assets as a collateral, you kind of uh, uh, you kind of have an options agreement that if the if the borrower doesn't repay uh, and liquidate, you can you can repo the collateral and liquidate it. So you can actually kind of, you're pretty much like buying the collateral at a discount. So what it allowed us to do is that we could list various collaterals. So now uh, think currently at other protocol, we are very like robust in listing collaterals in in general because. Uh, well, asset that we are, uh, as a community, getting into the protocol through the governance voting is actually a very empowering moment because that means that that particular and their native asset becomes, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, you can use it as a collateral, which means that, you know, it has more value in it uh, and you can unlock capital, which, which is one of the kind of like fundamental ways to use uh, store of value in finance. 
And Willis, who has accumulated a lot of assets in Aave, but the risk parameters are very conservative. So when you look at like liquidation events for the past year, all the way to last year, Black Thursday, what we see is that the, the, the protocol has been very, very resilient, especially like analyzing the the report of, of content and everything. And that is kind of like the result of a well-managed community risk uh, modeling and applying the framework because the, the parameter itself parameters itself are very conservative. But being able to place conservative parameters and still allows you to kind of like get more assets into the protocol. And Ethland days, what was interesting is that there was roughly a couple of hundred different collaterals that could use uh, in in Ethland as as a collateral for your loan. And it's up to the lenders to decide what they want to under and and then later if there's there's a default, like what they liquidate. So that's a, that's substantial like a difference that you can actually go very widely when when you give the like repoing underwriting liquid liquidation to the lender itself. So I think like roughly a bit later uh, stage when the pool models came, especially with Uniswap, for example, and that model and, and Bunker. And I think Bunker would have been very successful if they just had a very plain from token to token uh, kind of a uh, system. But anyways, with the, uh, with, with the models of the liquidity pools, you could, you could always have for assets that are that have liquidity, they have constant liquidity, and that allows you to actually, you know, make pooled collateralization, and that is pretty much like what's happening now in DeFi. So you can aggregate a lot of liquidity, and I think like the P2P fashion is very cool that you can still do do or or maybe something in between that you use credit delegation where there's a vault that accepts a collateral that isn't accepted in, for example, in Aave main market, you could have depositors that are delegating their borrowing power there and where further, let's say, uh, you could have second tier borrowers coming and just depositing a collateral that is unlisted in the main market and just putting into this vault drawing liquidity. So they could be even like some sort of combinations of still kind of like doing peer-to-peer or some sort of like a uh, smaller pools for a bit more riskier assets. But there's like, there is pros and cons in both models. And I think you can still build a very nice, like kind of like order matching model, OTC model on, on top of the, the other protocol. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I'm wondering what's the future beyond uh, peer-to-contract or, or or these pool or, or vault models. We've heard um, uh, some other leaders in the space say that they believe that under collateralized lending uh, potentially being the next big thing in, B- in DeFi. We heard that from Hamzat Polygon. Uh, Mark Cuban has tweeted about it a, a few times. Um, but you also touched on uh, decentralized underwriting. And is that, do you feel like that is? potentially a way where we could achieve this under-collateralized lending with a decentralized underwriting platform? And do you see any protocols who are experimenting with that? Or is that something that uh, Aave could potentially be looking at in the future? Yeah, I mean, I could even see that maybe even like like decentralized underwriting as a kind of like a governance uh, decision making could be even more progressive than and faster scalable than, you know, aggregating liquidity with credit delegations to one vault where someone underwrites the loans as a centralized entity. Because I, I just see that uh, DAOs are also like very efficient way of organizing things. And I could imagine you could use on-chain activity and create profiles and create this kind of like a trust network on top of the current DeFi ecosystem. I just somehow think it's it's way more faster than, you know, tying, like taking taking credit from DeFi, let's say from Aave, and 
with credit delegation under collateralize and distributing it to TradFi based on credit ratings, FICO score or whatnot, all systems. I just think like there could be something very new and very efficient. Uh, but somehow someone needs to figure that out. And there's just, just like a lot of decision making well from DAO perspective. But I definitely think it could be very prevailing. Yeah, it's because in the traditional finance system, you have a credit score uh, and a, a lender could look at your credit score and say, you know, this this is a credit worthy individual and we can give this individual funds and, and we're confident that they will pay us back based on the score that they have. Do you think that there's any potential for a, a wallet based credit score similar to the, the DeFi DGEN score, but maybe just a, a something that feels a little more professional that would be associated with a specific wallet or how do you think that could play out yeah i, I definitely think like there like teacher score is a good example where you kind of look at on-chain activity and and can do a lot of cool things uh bring accessibility to some sort of like a products and make it very fun uh and I think what's essentially what's important is that all of the Web3 economy brings identity. So the way you are, uh, you know, you're bidding on NFTs and you're buying NFTs, you are uh, signing messages, you're participating in different protocols, that gives a lot of data. And that data is, is uh, usable, uh, very usable for credit rating. Yeah. And if you look, and we can talk about Aave Pro here in a little bit, but if you look even further, uh, what do you see any opportunities for products similar to the fixed rate uh, lending, fixed rate borrowing, or uh, collateralizing off-chain assets, real-world assets like real estate, uh, f maybe for the potential for a, a home equity line of credit? Or, or even purchasing your house with um, an interest rate protocol similar to Aave? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it will happen. I still think the faster road will be just using like virtual land as a collateral. Okay. Like, we've seen some experimentations, but I just think that, uh, you know, all the virtual interactions, virtual worlds, just like are so paved to scale a bit faster because, you know, you're just kind of like reflecting virtual content, has value, use this collateral. Imagine, you know, some sort of uh, design of virtual design of that you can show in metaverse, like, you know, where it's like Decentraland or VR chat or like, or else, or AR. Those kind of things move progressively because you don't have this legacy kind of like holding you back, you know, topics related to regulation or enforcement and so forth. So those are maybe even faster and paves as an example for the legacy world, like how if, if the legacy world would be more efficient, how would it look like and creates urgency for competition? Because the funny thing is that, of course, like let's say real property, it has value, right? Mm -hmm. But also like it has, it's, it's a store of value. So it has utility in the sense that you can live in a house the same way as, as let's say, a virtual house has utility that you can invite people virtually to see it and so forth, and it has value. But if you see like more value going real property as an investment into you know investment and store of value for virtual property, it creates urgency to change the system that we are currently in the real world assets. That property is a good example because it's highly regulated regulation is, is based because of the idea of various like various principles just by keeping the register re registers correct when it comes to land ownership property ownership and and a bunch of other uh, uh, you know principles and regulations so that's just like showcases like like probably the most fastest movers are the virtual equivalents and that like drives traction, but there, nevertheless, there's very nice projects working on actually getting real world assets into into the DeFi space. Centrifuge is a good example where they're trying to tokenize debt, you know, invoices, and and 
put them as a collateral into the other protocol. And then you, know, you have a tokenized dollars by itself. That's a very scalable example of, of how you know you can tokenize things, real world assets. Right. And so let's, I want to move the conversation over to layer two now. Um, it looks like Polygon has been a huge success for Aave in the past few months with about a, a almost a third of, of total value locked uh, for Aave on Polygon. What's been the biggest scaling challenge? And I'm just curious about how you're thinking about layer two beyond Polygon and are layer twos even going to be that uh, helpful once ETH 2.0 uh, rolls out w- with staking? Yeah, I mean, layer twos are definitely needed. Uh, and I think like Polygon is a good, good bread for the congestion that's happening in day one at the moment. So I think I think like the, the future of France or <laughs> the future of, of DeFi and of the trees is like you will have multiple different chains and you know EVMs and of course you have like roll-ups from layer two to the layer one using that security. Anyways it's a concept like if auction is a good store of value, you also need about like what price you will pay for that store of value. Are you storing it in a most secure place? Is there where you should be keeping the the transactioning and also like the, the assets itself or is it fine to keep them a less secure chain? You know, those kind of questions. So essentially, like it's kind of like a pricing thing, pricing of transactioning and pricing of uh, like where you store things. End of the day. And I think you just don't need to store everything on very secure environment. You know, you could use some lighter transactioning layer for let's say payments, and then for actually storing larger funds you can use, funds you can use uh, later one. So definitely there is a use case for layer twos and we'll see like both transaction going there. Yeah, and do you think that it's important for a, a protocol like Aave to be on many layer twos uh, or centralized liquidity into a single layer two? Because I, I feel like it, it could be more of a balancing act of, you know, uh, uh, Arbitrum, Optimism, and, and Polygon all have different... Uh, security features and the consumer could have their own preferences as to what type of security they would like for their funds. Do you, so that, that's why I'm asking that question is do you want to provide options for the, for the consumer? Do you feel like it's more beneficial to just concentrate the liquidity on a single L2? No, I think it should be uh, I, think, I think optionality is the key. Like, you know, if you want to use, I mean if you want to use Polygon, you should be able to use that for whatever reason. Like we want to go where the users are as a community. So the cool thing about you know Aave as a community is that we are very inclusive and we try to always think first like what innovation we can build, but secondly and maybe even like actually more importantly like how we can empower different communities because the whole success of Aave has actually never been Aave itself as a community, but being able to empower other communities, being able to, as a community, to list assets, you know, that empower communities to make them transaction more, trans, transact more, uh, draw liquidity against their assets, get yields against their assets. So, you know, that that boils down also to the fact that if we're able to empower users on Polygon, that's substantially powerful for our community because we get users that might transact more or less, but are transacting smaller amounts because of the smaller gas fees. They, they might enjoy the Polygon. And if there's something interesting happening in, let's say, in Avalanche or Arbitrum, we're happy to be there and support that ecosystem as well. In a sense, like we try to just be very empowering. Yeah, I, I understand that. And um, looking beyond L2, uh, are there any interests in expanding onto other chains in the future, like Polkadot or Avalanche? Yeah, I mean, 
definitely because as as soon as like we see some involvement there, like I, I think in general like networks are very lazy on creating community. Especially kind of like it's it's more of like, hey, we have a network that is running, like let's see what kind of things people are going to build. But what Poly- Polygon made very successfully said as an example is that they started to reward, you know, various users for different activity and that brought a lot of traction. And I think that's something that many of these uh, networks probably might follow up. I mean, I would love to see more activity in other chains, especially where the consensus mechanism algorithm is very fascinating and also where you just have a bit different kind of a developer culture, but still strongly a developer culture. We want to be an, as a community and want to empower. EVM is important. So if, if, if that particular network doesn't have an EVM, it's going to be a pain, pain in the ass to deploy anything. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, because the EVM, I mean, it's you want it to be as easy to to transport over as possible. So that, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I want to touch on a, a tweet that you sent out, I think, last week. And it said, what if you could deposit your collateral to Aave on Ethereum and draw credit from Polygon and repay your loan on optimism and what if you can build on top of this cross-chain uh, compatibility? Was this just a thought experiment or was this marching orders for Aave in the DeFi community or, or both? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much like what we're looking at now because now Aave is in two, two networks and two to three months and four networks, maybe even five then the kind of like the next question is like, why don't we just simply build connectivity in between all of this transactioning in a way that it's safe and secure, that you can actually not just port tokens and go automatic and open long positions there, Polygon, but you could just like use your L1, uh, like collateral against your L2 credit or draw credit in some other network. And it just kind of like a, not, it, it's a bit of like a net, uh, connectivity question and also mm-hmm. kind of like to make it securely enough but achieving that is powerful and I think that's the next next step once we have a uh, few, few more deployments I don't know where the other community wants to deploy the infrastructure but uh, there's Arbitrum uh, there's Avalanche there it is uh, Optimism at some point Many of the L2s, they are just not functional yet. So I'm also kind of waiting eager something happening happened there in, in the sense that they will be ready, ready where you can deploy things. Okay. I just thought it was a very, very interesting tweet. And if we ever got to that point, I think that's uh, that would be very bullish for DeFi uh, just in general. Uh, another question that we've been asking a, a lot of our guests, and, and a, it's been a topic uh, in, in Twitter and just in the space in general, is uh, protocol and DAO, uh, treasury management and treasury diversification, and uh, a lot of protocols and treasuries tend to own their own native tokens as a majority or the only position in, in their treasury Uh the index co-op, where we have a diverse, I mean, we obviously have a lot of index in, in our treasury, but we also have, uh, you know, DeFi Pulse Index and the Metaverse Index and uh, other assets in our treasury as a hedging strategy to diversify. Um, what are your thoughts on treasury diversification, um, it, the importance of it, and what does Ave's treasury uh, makeup look like currently? Yeah, I guess like with the like currently what's fascinating, Aave DAO has it has substantial amount of uh, substantial amount of Aave is treasury and that's kind of like used for like community incentives and, and whatnot. And over time that just decreases in amount. But on the return what's coming back to the Aave DAO treasury is actually the A tokens collected from the reserve factor. So reserve factor is, is substantially a, uh, a percentage that the uh, collects from the from the uh, protocol activity. 
uh, paid yield back to the DAO. And what's interesting about the reserve factor that is collected mainly on actual stable coins, that's the most drawn liquidity, is that it's uh, paid and minted in A tokens into the treasury. So it already has automated treasury management in there. And I think like anyone who's even raising funds in Web3 should actually like use just raising AUSDC or A tokens in general because you know it's you know it's automated treasury management there. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and for the future, I think like the treasury management for DAOs will be the next interesting things because I don't think like let's say even it's if it's of a DAO that they just should hold their own native asset. That's not very inclusive. Instead, all of these DAOs should be like diversified from financial perspective, but also kind of like be more inclusive because I believe in the future there will be also kind of like inclusive governance where you can vote on things with multiple tokens. Let's say you could use Aave and you need to vote on something that relates to both of the protocols. And that's something that we actually build our own like Aave governance relying upon that you can actually use the governance. There's this thing called like strategies where you can actually set governance proposals and give different weight on different tokens. Essentially, we decided to enable not just like voting with Aave, but voting with staked Aave, uh, A-Aave, and in the future also like Matic Aave. And the idea there is that you can give weight on different tokens and I could imagine just adding tokens that are not in the Aave ecosystem, but you know, they might have some sort of like a connectivity, like let's say Uni, Bal, whatever that that composition looks uh, could be uh, could be even API. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of optionality, and then you know that perspective. Like when you have more, in, this kind of like a cross protocol activity in governance, that will start to actually you know showcase the power of governance and why it's important to be part of not just only your own community but in others as well. And I think what Index Group is doing and as positioning itself is exactly this, that there is a basket of multiple assets. So pretty much because of this composition, it's important to be involved diversely in other places. And this is something that we really find really cool. Yeah, you, you touched on a lot of things uh, in that response that I, I wish I could follow up on uh, right now, but I, I also really want to get to um, the questions on Aave Pro b before we run out of time. Um, so would you mind, Stani, just uh, explaining to us what is Aave Pro and, and how long has this project uh, been in the works? Uh, yeah, Aave Pro is pretty much like a uh, private liquidity pool that we were testing out. And, and the idea is that we we created smart contract infrastructure, which is pretty much the same as we have in the main market, uh, where actually you're able to choose what kind of market participants you have in pool. So you could deploy a pool and just show, choose who can participate in it. And the other pro uh, is pretty much the first one where the pool is deployed uh, by Firebox to serve institutional users. That's simple uh, as it is. So they they whitelist institutional participants that they want to interact with that pool. The liquidity is separated from our main market. And what makes it very interesting is that these participants, they can create additional requirements to participate in that in that market. It can be any kind of reason. It can be compliance reason or asset composition. And essentially, it allows you to create private, private pools. And for institutional perspective, it's very nice because it gives them ability to experiment already DeFi without actually, if they don't have the ability to to participate in the current permissionless DeFi environment. So we, we're very bullish on permissionless DeFi and we always will be. But we also know that there's different comfort levels which you could satisfy and also create also different kinds of uh, asset compositions private polls that could be very interesting. So that's essentially what it is. And it's interesting to see how it progresses. It's done with, with Fireblocks and Galaxy Digital. And for me, as a project to see how that market will correspond, what we have in 
and the main market because the collateral composition is more narrow in in other pro you have you have future you have wrap bitcoin as a collateral uscc and uct on this borrow so kind of like interesting to see what will be the interest rate arbitrage between the uh, permission market and the permissionless market yeah that kind of falls uh, that kind of goes into my next question um, when, when you spoke about the, the arbitrage between those two markets, do you think that the institutional capital uh, that comes into Ave Pro will have an effect on yields more widely in, in DeFi? Or uh, so, are the do you think these institutions are mainly here to receive the yield, or will there be increased borrowing demand as well? I think the borrowing demand probably. I, I mean. Especially, essentially, the whole idea of our pro started since there was counterparties that just wanted to borrow extensive amount of liquidity in smart contract basis. So they definitely there's borrow demand there, and for me it's interesting to see like how it stabilizes. There will be more deposits of borrowing, and whether there's a like a premium on the the deposit rates actually even in the other pro. I still think it's a the scaling of that market is quite quite narrow in the beginning but essentially if any institution can onboard there the 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 scale in terms of value actually in those smart contracts could be substantially larger than we have in the DeFi space in total not just Aave but in the total market at the moment so I'm I'm kind of like uh, curious to see how how it will evolve yeah and so are Aave token holders, are they able to participate in governance on Aave Pro, or is that, a, is that separated for now? Yeah, so that's the thing. The, govern, the Aave holders will govern the market as well, essentially risk parameters. So what, what happens is that the users of these markets are delegating their risk framework, risk assessment to the Aave governance, and in return, the Aave DAO pretty much collects reserve factor for the risk assessment. That's how the kind of like a feedback feedback loop is working upon. And it's quite simple because let's say if the institutions, I mean, governance essentially can make any kind of decision making. And mm -hmm. that is something that the market do not care about. They can always leave the market and create their own pool. So it's kind of like beneficial for the other community to look after that the market participants are happy, pools are competitive, interesting kind of like a setup. Yeah, and it feels like that uh, institutions would now be incentivized to hold Aave uh, to have a vote in what changes are made to the protocol uh, since they are housing their assets now or they're borrowing uh, against the Aave protocol. So do you, do you see uh, a potential for institutions being a potential majority holder in the Aave protocol? Yeah, I mean, one of the things what the Aave governance can always do is to activate liquidity mining in the Aave Pro market. What's What that will do is that, you know, it attracts more institutions to that market as well. But essentially, I mean, the idea is that like a long-term solution for even institutions is to participate in the permissionless market. And for that, what is needed is kind of like a understanding in the other community governance, how you can further and along board everyone into the into the permissionless market. And I think over time it will happen. But it's it's interesting to see like how these governance decisions will play out. But I would if I would be a institutional participant in the market, I would definitely participate in governance. I mean, even if I would not be like participating that's a very interesting project to follow yeah ab absolutely um and ave has partnered with fireblocks and galaxy digital as partners uh, on this initiative how did you go about picking those two organizations to partner with what kind of went into that uh, thought process i guess it's just the back and forth discussions like what's stopping now institutions of participating in let's say completely wide permissionless market and what could be a solution for now to dip, dip their toes into something that is something where they can experience counterparties, smart contract based execution and 
you know, this kind of like a transparency that we have in decentralized finance and, and how this could be experienced in the meanwhile and how Aave could actually, as a community, build that experience. And that's, that's pretty much the, the process. And I mean, it took a lot of work to get here. I mean, the whole project started back in February, earlier, late January, I would say. So it definitely showcases like how much involvement uh, it takes, but in time, but we're happy that we're so close on launching. Yeah, this this seems similar. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't want to say it seems like a response, but it seems similar to Compound's uh, Treasury Management platform that they announced recently. Um, and I'm curious uh, to your thoughts on Compound's Cash Chain. Yeah, for the Treasury product, I don't think it's similar because what they are doing is they kind of like are accepting institutional funds against a fixed. Uh, yield that they offer, but basically what the other choice is completely, it's market check based permission market, essentially a private pool where you have this whitelisting entities, custodians that cannot just whitelist addresses to participate and there isn't like intermediaries in between. So unless you whitelist an intermediary that then aggregates capital between the users, that's the kind of like a, a difference and both both are very much needed, to be honest, in the space. Both will bring uh, scalability, uh, I would say. Yeah, I can absolutely see the need and the market fit for, for both of those products. But I, I also want to get your thought on Compound's cash chain. Um, it seems like Ave is prioritizing being on uh, their own or on actual chains instead of making their own. Has there been any discussion uh, around that? And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that as well. So essentially, I think it's a nice, nice kind of movement. I mean, it's a uh, end of day. It's, it's a proof of un, uh, proof of authority. So you have like kind of like whitelisted validators, and I think like what we what we have done ourselves, we we actually just deployed infrastructure in EVM compatible change chains, and I think that's the direction we're going towards. And then essentially later we can combine the connectivity between between these different deployments and some sort of like a more structured architecture. I would not say like a proof of authority aims something more kind of like satisfying. Maybe even what we're looking more towards will be some sort of a CK approach. Okay. To connect all of this accounting between different chains and, and depth positions and collaterals. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so we've got about five minutes left, Stani, and, and again, appreciate you coming on and chatting with the co-op. I uh, just have a few more questions for you. So the name Ave is uh, Finnish for ghost. What went into that name? Uh, what's the reason behind uh, picking a ghost uh, to name your protocol and uh, to be your mascot? I think mainly is the fact that, you know, we... We're not just building DeFi, but seeing like as a like uh, the Avagenesis team as Web3 builder company, and we build protocols, and then we we ship them into and and give give it to the community ownership. And in some sense, like the Ave team, as they're giving out the protocol, uh, it becomes the team itself kind of like ghosts uh, away from the protocol in the sense that we we're not necessarily needed on improving it and it's up to the community ops to continue building it over a period of time which is like achieved and also the fact that these protocols are run autonomously on ethereum for example or whatever they're deployed as a kind of like a community member you are a bit like a ghost within the community since your contribution is valuable but you don't you're not needed to actually run the, the protocol, the infrastructure itself. That's the kind of like a beauty of the decentralization. And since there's always incentives one way or another to participate, then the system works and runs. And of course, the cool part is that, you know, with a ghost, you can play a lot with the branding and transfer, you know, because it's based on intermediaries, you want to show, show that you are pretty much I would say like conservative and 
due diligent manage like money management, but in DeFi, since there's no intermediaries, you can be very playful with your branding. So that's why we came up with the ghost and the double A you can get quite it's quite an advantage because you're listed when you're listening alphabetical order <laughs> come quite quickly as first. Right. That's the old uh, phone book marketing technique where you're a a a a construction and that's who people call first that's that's smart but i I like that so it basically the developers are ghosts and they make changes to the protocol and then they disappear um what is the finnish word for owl Uh, index co-op our mascot is an owl what is what is that word no way very hard actually it's 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 called pelle <laughs> okay, I, I, you know, I'll just have to look it up, and you have to yeah. Google to have Google help me pronounce it. <laughs> Two more questions, and I'll let you go. What what projects right now, not related to Ave, are, are really uh, catching your eye in in the crypto and DeFi space? You mean besides Ave and Index Coop? <laughs> yes, besides Ave and Index Coop. Yes. I mean, I I follow quite widely what's uh, what's happening in the space. I. I'm sure like what uh, what I could raise well maybe something that hasn't been talked about much that I feel is important is uh what what I could raise. There's so so many interesting things. Yeah, I would say like Reflexer is very interesting. Because that's that's pretty much like the first also like kind of like a I wouldn't even say it's a basket because that's the like wrong name. And I've seen like in various communities people think of it's a more like a baskets of assets but it's kind of like the same you have like actually like target of being a stable coin without pegging to usd which is nice and i think it says what they're trying to achieve is, is very fascinating uh i like the various options protocols trying to you know reward liquidity providers bringing it getting yield and by writing options that's very fascinating. I think Dribbon Finance is doing very well with that. And Opium. There's other DeFi projects doing interesting experimentations. Very weird ones like Olympus DAO is doing something very funny. But besides like that, I, I, I think I follow pretty much everything. Everything seems to be interesting at the moment. I'm hoping more innovation, like completely like new yield sources. Like DeFi has been for the past you know, 12 months more about yield optimization. What I would like to see is more like yield sources, how we, where we can have more yield. Yield. That's what's interesting. Okay. And final question before uh, we let you go, uh, where can people go to learn more about you and Ave? Well, I think following me on Twitter is good. Uh, following the Aave, Twitter handle, Aave.com. There's a lot of resources there, documentation, reaching out in our Discord. You know, those are the places to find. Uh, very active in the community. So, you know, if someone has something to ask, shoot me a message. Happy to discuss. Okay. Uh, well, Stani, uh, I appreciate you coming on to Conversations with the Co-op. Uh, thanks to everyone in the audience who's listening. Uh, we will provide a transcript of this interview, and uh, we will get the audio and upload it as well. Stani, thanks again, uh, and have a great week, everybody. See you next time. Thank you. This was fun. Bye.